All right, all right. Hope you had a good day, and um, hope everything went well for you. Uh, and I know it went well for me. I went to, I went after me and the girls. We actually, me and the girls this morning all went to IHOP, and so that was fantastic. And uh, so I feel my body is, uh, my body is making its way back around for the for the good of mankind at this point in time. I'm hoping maybe uh, maybe I'll be able to see in a few days uh, without these glasses on. I doubt it, but maybe. About, about two or three months now, every morning when I wake up, I don't know, probably six months actually, about the first two hours of the day I can't even see this cell phone. So I'm kind of, I'm right here. Now I'm trying not to let nobody see because the girls, boy, they're quick to, they're quick to pick up on things like that. And uh, and then they say, you know, Daddy, can you see? Are you going back? Because I swore I was, you know, men have a funny way of, uh, God's got a funny way of humbling guys because they make statements like when you go to the eye doctor and you spend, like I think I spent like $600 at the eye doctor one time. And yeah, well, yeah, it was when it was like maybe a thousand, some, some ungodly amount of money. And, uh, and I was so mad. I was like, I will never come back to the eye doctor as long as I live. And uh, them girls the other day, they said, well, I guess you're going back to the eye doctor one of these days soon, ain't you? And I said, yeah, I guess I, guess I probably am. Uh, so I guess, I guess that thousand dollars wasn't so bad to be able to see. But it was for the whole family. So uh, and Jordan, she's obviously, she's ran off the road and told her car. We know she can't see. So uh, me and her are in bad shape. Um, we'll be on Social Security before it's over with here pretty soon. And uh, so, um, yeah. But it was dark, though, wasn't it, Jordan? It was really dark, wasn't it? So it was darker than other days, wasn't it? Yeah, and there was a car coming. Yep. Yep, darker. Yep. There's so many things. Yeah. With her driving. Yeah. Yeah, huh? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, Philippians chapter number 4. Uh, so we're going to, we, we've already dealt with the first nine, uh, eight verses. We dealt last week with, uh, with verse number 8. We're going to deal with verse number 9 this week. But I want to start in verse 1 uh, just to get a, kind of a back up and get a context. I said last week when we dealt with verse number 8, you know, um, verse number 8 really, um, it, it, is a, it, it does serve as a standalone verse. But for the sake of context and understanding what Paul wanted, to, wanted these Philippian believers to get in terms of their peace, uh, you really need to get the whole context of it. So we'll start in verse 1. Uh, Therefore, my beloved brethren, or my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odious, and I beseech Syntax, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke, yoke fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and when my other fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men, unto all men. 
The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to pause right there just real quick. So, all of the previous verses, uh, all of the previous verses come in full contact with verse 7. So, all uh, verse, uh, verses 1 through 6, they are, they are directly related to verse number 7. And that's a big deal. Um, it's a big deal when we're, we're just for the sake of understanding. We dealt with four, uh, we dealt with five and six. Okay, we dealt with verses five and six, and 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 with seven, and we looked at that on a on a in terms of context. We have to make sure that we're not taking verses out of context and say, well, you know what the Bible says: the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, that is true, but it's only a half truth when you use verse seven. There are some things that are contingent upon the peace of God which the Bible describes passes all understanding. All right, so it's going to keep your heart and it's going to keep your mind, but it's not going to be without you meeting some conditional requirements for that piece to do that. Does that make sense? I mean, a lot of times we want to take the accountability of our part out of this whole thing. Well, you know what God said, the peace of God. is Well, it is, it is, but, but you're going to have to let your moderation be known to all men. You're going, to have to let, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to let your moderation be known to all men. You're going to have to be careful for nothing in, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And, and, does that make sense? It's just conjoining, it's conjoining these verses to let us know that the peace of God just doesn't fly out of thin air. <laughs> right? And we, we're, we're, really, we're really quick to think that God owes us peace. Like, well, God, you owe me that. No, man, God don't owe us that. God give us the Spirit of God that lives inside of us, and He already sealed us into the day of redemption. And praise the Lord, that, that, that's enough. Amen? But there are some things that God has called us to. We looked at the verse number 8, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are uh, true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then verse number 9 is what we're going to use tonight. Uh, those things which thou have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God, here we go again, the God of peace shall be with you. Okay, so the God of peace shall be with you. Okay, all right, so here's what, here's what I want you to do. Uh, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Everybody, say, everybody sees that word do, right? Okay, um, there is, here we go again, God has called us to be about some activity, right? Uh, we again, we'll claim promises of God, and then God's like, "Well, you can claim them, but what you're what you're forgetting is uh, there. There is a stewardship upon your part to do what God's called you to steward." Amen. Um, so we've been learning about this deal with peace, and so we dealt with a, a series. Of, so we dealt with peace in our relationship, uh, in our relationships. Uh, we dealt with peace in our circumstances. Uh, we dealt with peace in our emotions. And, I, man, uh, if you get a chance to go back and listen to that one, 
Um, man, I, I feel like that God blessed that and God used that. Why? Because we're, uh, we're a very emotional society right now. Um, we're very emotionally fragile, and God's called us to stability. And he's like, here is how the stability comes about from uh, gaining some stability in your emotions. And then last week we dealt with our thoughts, and uh, we talked about all the things that we can think of. This week we're going to talk about, we're going to deal with peace, and uh, we're going to deal with, with walking in peace and doing the right things. Doing the right things, okay? So, let's jump into it. Let's pray before we do it, and then we'll, uh, we'll get after it. Lord, thank you again for today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, just being really good to us, and Lord, giving us way better than we deserve. Uh, Lord, thank you for growing people, and, and Lord, just doing work in the hearts of men and women. I pray, God, that you bless tonight, and Lord, that you use it. Um, Lord, thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so let's look at the let's look at the first one. Um, God's peace, God's peace is found by following examples. God's peace is found by following examples. So, so he starts off. He gives those. There's four things here in verse number nine. There's there's four things: learned, received, heard, and seen. Learned, received, heard, and seen. All right. So, what are all of these things? In com- they are exempt. They are. They are. Paul is is telling this, these believers at Philippi to follow my example, all right? Follow my example. Why? Well, there's peace in that. There's peace in following examples. We, we are all the time preaching this discipleship thing because the Bible is all the time preaching this discipleship thing. It was never meant for you to go at it alone. It was never meant for you just to try to figure it out. It was always to establish a pattern, which is what Jesus did with his 12 disciples in John 17. Amen? That is what he did in Acts chapter number 1 when he commissioned them going uh, in Jerusalem and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. That's what we see. We've been studying that. We've been working through that. We've been looking and seeing. This is what God's called us to, and this is what Paul is calling this Philippian church to. All right, you, You've seen some things in me, and I want you to do those things. Paul is exhorting this, this church at Philippi to do the things that they have been taught from him. Okay? So, so we take the 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 we, we took we took a ver- we take a verse from a previous chapter. This sermon may sound a little bit like something that I've already preached, but for the sake of uh, understanding, Philippians three, in verse seventeen, he says, "Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have for us as an ensample." Okay, I, I, all right, so I want you to be followers of me, but then I want you to mark them which walk so as ye have us. For an example, or for, or for an example. All right, so this is, a, this is a frequent thing. This is a reoccurring command in Scripture. Why? Because sheep, in the Bible, sheep always needed a shepherd, right? Sheep always needed somebody to follow. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. 1 Corinthians 11, be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 of verse 6, and, be, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. 
All right, this is a big one. This is a big one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2. We've talked about this one a lot around here. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you, had, when you received the word of God. Okay, so it's a big deal. This church at Thessalonica received the word of God, which ye heard of us, the end sample. He says, ye received it not as the word of men. So you didn't receive it as, as people that are walking like men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh in you also that believe. So here we are all over again. We've got an end sample laying down the word of God and saying, all right, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to follow. So what do we need? We need leaders. We need leaders to follow. Man, I can't imagine my life without some leaders in my life that I was willing to follow, that I would, that I would openly say, yes, I will follow you. Absolutely. And you know what? You, know, let me hear, you don't hear the crazy thing? Some of them were terrible leaders. They were terrible leaders. They actually, some of them turned out to be terrible people. Like they wasn't even good people. Like they were carnal. Uh, they were in it for money. They were in it for fame. They were in it for pleasure. They were in it for fortune. They were in it to see what they could get out of it. They were in it for the, the, the praise of men. I, I, I mean, it was, it was just a train wreck. My first, my first go at, at, at any kind of ministry opportunity, the only reason I stuck around is because I love Jesus. Outside of that, I should have flipped everybody off and walked off. Because that dude... That dude was as carnal a human being as there was behind closed doors. He, was, he knew the scriptures backwards. And, and that's another crazy thing. He knew the book backwards and forwards. And as long as he didn't have to be put in a predicament to where he had to choose right things over the things he wanted, it was all good. But the moment he's had to start choosing right things over the things that he desires, that's when he'd compromise. But you know what? Let me, let me, let me, uh, this is something that, that we should learn right here. God blessed me following him. I said yes, sir, to whatever he asked me. It didn't matter what it was. But I said yes. Every time I said yes, sir. And you know what? I wasn't saying, I wasn't so much saying yes, sir, to the man as I was saying, yes, sir, that's the man you put in position. That's the one in the structure of the New Testament local church that I'm supposed to follow. And that's what it did. And God blessed me for it. It didn't matter what it was. You can ask my wife. She was like, man, you are crazy. You are crazy. And I was crazy. I, I, I was just so foolish uh, being so young, getting saved. I, was, I mean, it was the greatest thing I, I, ever, I ever got the responsibility to do. But it was my responsibility to do that. And, and so we, we, it, we need leaders to follow, but we need... We need to follow leaders. We need to follow leaders. Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. He that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. But listen, there's a lot of people that won't follow because the continual nature of their lives is so independent and set apart from a biblical New Testament, Ephesians 4 structure of the church they can't do that. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And it, hurt, it hurts so many people. 
It hurts so many people. So the, the, the carnal Christian follows the leader most of the time. Most of the time, until it doesn't make sense, until it costs way too much, or until, it, it, until, until I don't think it'll work because I've tried that before. Until that's good for him, but, you know, my circumstances, they're different. They're a bit more unique, and, and I just don't have time for that. Uh, until, uh, until, we, until you start saying, oh, you know, that, that leader is trying to, uh, he, he's trying to micromanage my life. He's just too critical. It, here, here's, here's where we got we to gotta get to. We, we got to get to the point to where if you understand that the only time you're ever going to follow a leader is when you agree you're never actually going to follow a leader. Because there's going to be times that you don't agree. There's going to be times, there, there's times in this church now when leaders in this church don't agree. There's been many times, there's been many times that me and one of my dearest and best friends on the planet, right here on the second row, have not agreed about things in this church. <laughs> I mean, He's like, it's time to pull the trigger. Well, we're, we're, we're just, all right. <laughs> but you know what? I never one time had to, I never one time had to wonder if he didn't have my back in the process. Not one time. You know, well, I don't agree with you. I don't think it's right, but... You know what? We'll, 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 I guess we'll see. Anybody that knows Brother Sean, it went down just like that. I guess we'll see. But I didn't wonder why. Because we have to, we have to, we have to realize if the only time you're going to follow a leader is when you agree, you're never going to follow a leader. You're just going to follow yourself. Why? Because men are flawed to start with. Men are flawed to start with. Now, not, I'm, I'm not talking about a sinful man. Get that. There, there's a difference between a flawed man and a sinful man. Amen? There's, there's a difference between a flawed man and a deliberately sinful man. There's a huge difference there. We're not talking about a sinful man. We're talking about a flawed man that really wants to follow the Lord. That's seeking, God's, uh, that's seeking God's counsel, that's seeking God's guidance. Look at Proverbs 28 and verse 26. He that trust, trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whosoever walketh wisely shall be delivered. Now there's four places that Paul, uh, four things, um, four places that Paul kind of encourages in verse number 9 to really press into, for this church of Philippi to really press into. He, he says, do the things you've learned, Okay. So I want you to do the, those things which you have both learned in me do. Okay, So uh, those things that you, which you have learned, both learned in me do. They're, they're, the, the, the idea here is do the things you've learned from me. Do the things you've learned. So what are some of the things, what are some of the things that they would have learned from Paul? We would call this uh, maybe ministry life. They learned what ministry looked like, uh, what ministry looked like from Paul. They didn't learn from anybody else. They learned it from Paul. 
Uh, they, 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 they learned uh, from Paul exactly what it meant to go be a minister in their local context. Why? Because that's what Paul did. And that's what Paul showed them. How to live ministry life out. And, and make sure, we, we, all, we all know this, it's not just memorizing an answer or memorizing a verse or knowing the correct answer. It only matters if we apply and then it creates a different lifestyle in us. And, and, and what lifestyle had Paul developed? What lifestyle had Paul invested in them? Well, it had to do with a ministry being established in Philippi. And so they learned how to do that. They learned how to do ministry from the Apostle Paul. They learned what that meant. They learned what that looked like. And when Paul left, guess what? They were going to be able to do ministry. See, the, the, the greatest thing about... Man, I, I, one, one of a, one, a guy I know, I wouldn't say I'm really friends with him. He's friends with a lot, a lot of my friends, but... Um, guy I know uh, left out of his church uh, seven years ago and went to North Carolina and planted a church. And on the outside, man, it was just, you know, and it, it from all practical purposes, probably doing great. But, man, it was just, you know, you, you know, you can take the videos at a certain angle and the pictures at a certain angle and the website, you, you know, boy, you can really, uh, you can really pull a bait and switch. In a hurry that way. Well, it looks all great. Everything looks wonderful. And and look, he's he's you know he's changed. He does his own thing. He's his own guy. Um, kind of went a different way and got in a different group. He he made an announcement and and it it broke my heart uh, because I didn't expect to see it out of him that he was resigning his church. And that he was going, he said, we're leaving on good terms, we're this, we're that. And we're praying, and this is the most heartbreaking statement of the whole thing. We are diligently praying for the elders of that church as they seek a new pastor. That should have never been the case. Seven years is plenty of time to be able to leave a church with a pastor. It should never be that way. It should be somebody that, that has been raised, that has been trained, that has learned the ministry. That should come up and they should be, they should be a vital part of taking that role and that responsibility. So now here we are again with a statistical fact that is out of, out, I mean, it's out of control in America at how many churches don't have pastors. I mean, there are so many churches that that just do not have a pastor now. And so here we are, we got another one. We got another one and they're going to flail around and if they hadn't been established in and in, in don't have an established ministry uh, that is not going to compromise the Word of God, there's going to be somebody in there that may because they don't know who they are, because they wasn't raised and they wasn't learned under that, they didn't learn that ministry. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal for us to learn ministry here, Right? Does that make sense? It's a big deal for us to be a part of learning ministry here. Uh, Jesus said uh, to take my yoke upon you and, and what? And what? It's really simple. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. 
So you learn, you, you learn by taking on the role, taking on the yoke of Christ's ministry. You learn some things, right? Um, you know, a lot of times I found when, when, people, uh, when people begin losing their peace, they usually quit ministry because it's, it turns into another responsibility. It turns into another task. Well, there's more things on the calendar to do. But this is not what Paul, this is not what Paul displayed. This is not what they learned from Paul. When troubles come, you know what Paul did? When troubles come, he doubled down on ministry. When troubles come and he's locked up in a prison, somebody get me a pen and a piece of paper. Somebody get Luke. I gotta, I gotta tell Luke some things, right? I mean, I mean, everybody understand that? Look, we, we can't, when it gets hard, when it gets hard and it's going to get hard, we just got to double down. Well, because the God of peace was with him. That's how he could do it. That's how he could do it. But the, 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 Philipp, the, the, the Philippians learned, uh, the Philippians learned, but learning, learning was not enough to give them peace. They learned the ministry, but learning, let's, let's get this, learning was not enough to do the ministry. Learning was not enough to give them peace. You can learn all about the ministry. You can take a course, a, a, a test at the end, and you can, say, you can answer all the questions right, and you can get it all right. You can learn, you can watch, you can see. But this is what Paul's trying to get this, this church to realize. Peace, the, the peace of God that shall be with you is found in doing what you've learned. It's found in doing what you've learned. It, it, you learn some things and then you do them. And, and, and so the idea is, have you learned ministry? Well, the, yeah, okay, yeah, you have. So go do that, right? So, so yeah, I've learned it. Well, let's go do it. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not, you know, you say, man, it's pretty simple. It is pretty simple. Uh, and I'm really grateful because that's all I got is simple. I need simple. I need it to be simple. I, have you learned a ministry? Yeah, I've learned a ministry. Do you know a ministry? Yeah, yeah, I, I've learned some th stuff. We'll do that. Why? Well, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's a lot, there's a lot of peace just in, just in actually obeying. Nothing else. Just obedience. Just simple obedience. Um, let me give you the next one. Uh, do the things you've received. Scriptural truth. Scriptural truth. Those things which you have, uh, which you have received in me, do. Those things that you have received in me. Um, so, so some things were learned from Paul. We know that. Some things they learned from Paul and they learned from his experience. They learned from his training. Other things... Other things, they would learn by a received writing. They would learn by a received writing. We, when we started uh, in here on this book, one of the big things was um, this church was, this, this book was written, the church at Philippi, and, and, and those roundabout in that region. Right? Does that make sense? Everybody trying to go with me so far? 
Okay, so, so there's some things that you can learn from experience, that you can learn from training. And then the other things, you're, you, you learn from, from received scriptural truth uh, that you, you get by, by the Bible we hold in our hand. Okay, uh, look, look at First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter number 1. For we write none other things unto you than, that we, uh, than, uh, than what ye have read or acknowledged, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. Okay, now, now here we are again. We're writing these things. I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. Second, Second Corinthians 13. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest present I should use sharpness according to the power of which the Lord hath given me to edification and not destruction. And so he's, this is what he's saying. When you read these things, you need to understand, if I was present, I would be using sharpness. What does that mean? Well, it ain't rainbows and unicorns. And he, but make sure, he says, according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification. So the sharpness was to edify. It was to build up and not to destruction. Well, I don't like sharpness. It, that just destroys people. Well, not according to the Bible, it doesn't. Why, why, why? Well, because God has given us a power to edification. Now, he has, he has given us in our carnality the ability to destroy things. But make sure, he, he, he's, saying, uh, he's saying the things that I, I wrote to you. I wrote them because I wasn't there and I wasn't able to tell you in person. Um, Philippians chapter 3. In verse number 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Okay? Uh, so these are scriptural, scriptural truths, written things. Um, Second Thessalonians, I mean First Corinthians, excuse me, uh, chapter two and verse fourteen. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. All right, so there, this book is one of them things. Why? It's a spiritual book. So we've we've got we've got all these authors over. Uh, over a thousands of years with this book and it only has it only came from one mind there's only one mind written this book what about all these different authors only one mind only one mind could have done and and seamlessly woven together throughout this book what we find in it and so we understand all right so the natural man the carnal man he cannot receive it why well because they're foolishness their foolishness to it, okay? Uh, the Philippians received Paul's writings. They embraced Paul's writings. They accepted Paul's writings. And they acknowledged Paul's writings as true. But, but here we are again. Embracing, embracing scriptural truths was not enough. No, no just... Yeah, man, I believe them. I know, I, you know, knowing them, believing, all that, okay? It's not enough. It's not enough. Well, what is enough? 
Well, the peace that you're looking for, it's going to be found in doing the truth that you have received. It's going to be in doing what you know. It's going to be, it's going to be doing virtue. It's going to be, the, oh man, all that stuff you heard, well, just go do that. And then you know what? God's going to give you some more stuff. He's going to let you see some more stuff. And you're going to get to go do that. And then you just keep doing, and you just keep doing, and you just keep doing. And this is how the process of growth works in your life. And it's how it works in my life. It's how it's worked in my life over all of these years. Uh, so we want to make sure that, that we have the, the same understanding that Paul is trying to convey to this church in Philippi. Okay? Uh, let me give you the next one. Do the things you've heard. Do the things uh, you've heard. Uh, so those things which you've heard in me do. Okay? What is this? This is practical truth. Uh, this is practical truth. Practical application of Scripture. Uh, what, anything that is not practical is, in my, in my mind, anything that we can't make practical, it's probably useless. And just so happens this whole book's practical. All of it. All the way, all the way down to Leviticus. Everything in it. Everything that, hey, all the names. I mean, you're just going out there reading names. Somewhere in there for practicality, say, God has got a way for me and you to apply it to us. Does that make sense? This whole book is practical if you look at it as such. But a lot of people, they will say, well, that don't apply to me. Well, it, it, it don't. All Scripture is given to you. All Scripture has been given to you. And is profitable for doctrine, right? For reproof, for correction, for, for instruction in righteousness. And we said this last week. So, and we've been saying it, especially in Romans, but you put on, you put on a certain... You put on a certain lens, okay? What, what lens is that, all right? Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, he wrote the church epistles, Romans through Philemon, right? Or that, that's what's been written to the church. That's what's been written to the Gentile church, okay? That's the lens that you look at the rest of Scripture with. Now, what, what, what a, what a uh, and, and that, what is that? Well, that's a little dispensational. That's what that is. It is not hyper-dispensational because I can then look at the whole Bible through the lens of Romans to Philemon and I can find, I can find things that apply to me from Romans to Philemon and the, and the verse is no doubt true for doctrine, for instruction in righteousness, uh, for correction and for reproof from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. Is that, everybody tracking? Does that make sense? If it don't make sense, go back and listen again. I, I'm, try, I'm just trying to get through tonight. Uh, look at this, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom, wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. What is the, how does God teach? How, what is this method of teaching? Okay, you ready? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now that, that, that verse needs to be highlighted. It needs to be circled. It needs to be, it needs to be on display. It needs, it needs to be a key verse in your Bible. Why? Why? Because here is the Apostle Paul saying, 
that we're not, not in words which man teaches, but which the Holy Ghost, who Jesus said would be the teacher. When I leave, you're going to keep learning. We're going to keep learning when I leave. But the Holy Ghost is now going to be the teacher, and you're going to do it through comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And so that's, that's it's huge. See, spoken, the, the, the spoken things apply uh, the scriptural truth in a practical setting. The spoken things, it applies scriptural truth in a practical setting. And that's why, man, that's why we've got to know the book. That's why we've got to decide to count the cost, know the book, and decide, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to press into the things of God. Why? Because a lot of you are raising kids. A lot of you in here is raising kids. And if you know the book, you know scriptural truth, but you don't know this part, you are missing the boat. I don't care how many verses you can quote. If you can't take that verse and tell me how it practically applies to your life, you're never going to raise kids that believe the book. Never. They'll, they'll laugh at it, they'll scoff at it, they'll mock it because daddy quoted a verse and then, and then he, had no, he had no practical truth to follow it up with. Don't, don't come at your kids all the time thinking you're going to quote verses at them and they're just automatically going to bow at the feet of Jesus. It don't work like that. Well, what do I do? Oh, look, look, I'll give you an example. There's an example right here. Scriptural truth. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And we all say amen right there, right? All right? What does it mean? It means love your wife sacrificially. That's what it means. It means lay your life down for your wife sacrificially and love her even when she doesn't deserve it, just like the flipping church don't deserve it. And so, so what I'm supposed to do is then relay that truth to those around me. That's what I'm supposed to do. I mean, you, you come, I, listen, it, it, I was... I was at a wrestling tournament last week and, and I was talking to a guy um, about, I was like, man, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Because I, I see dads really just, especially in that setting, they're putting a, putting a hammer down on their kids pretty hard. Especially dads with young sons. And I know they want them to do their best and, but boy, they're they're hard on them. I mean, they're they're hard, and uh, and those kids are frustrated. They're so frustrated, and I can't help but think about the verse that that tells me that that I have been given a special ability that my wife doesn't have to anger my kids and to frustrate my kids. My wife don't, that verse doesn't apply to my wife. It applies to a father. And, 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 and I, I'm sitting there talking to this old boy about that, and I can tell he dives Chinese to him. And I said, well, what that means is, 
that you have an ability that nobody that your wife doesn't have. The least ounce of praise that you give that child over ridicule takes the anger and the frustration out of their entire world. And what happens is most dads, this is what I said, most dads end up being, being the person that that child hates because they can never please them. This old boy's eyes is about that big around. I, I, I patted him on the knee and I walked off. And, and you say, man, you, you, should, you should have stayed around a while. Listen, I gave the scriptural truth. I gave the practical truth. And guess who, guess who gets to work now? It ain't me. Why? Because, because some plant, some, some water. Y'all tell me who gives the increase. God giveth the increase. Okay, so we need to know the book, right? But we need to know it where we can practically apply the truths in it. Now, we'll say this. Um, the practical truth, it never overrides no matter what. You, no, no, There's no private interpretation, okay? You never get to manipulate the Scripture, uh, to privately interpret, to make it say something. You just apply it in its truest sense and let it roll. All right? Um, Titus 2 and, and, and verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity. Likewise, the aged women, uh, the, excuse me, the aged women, likewise, dyslexia creeping up on me, uh, that they be in behavior as, you ready? As becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. All right, these are all practical things that are scripturally found. Does that, everybody, does that make sense? These are all real practical truths that can be found in scripture. Okay? Uh, in, in the rest of the passage, it's describing teaching and order, uh, ex exhortation and rebuking. Now, what 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 should happen? What should happen is our preaching and our exhortation, our teaching, our exhortation, our rebuking should all be followed with some with some practical examples to men. Man, it's so quiet in here. Y'all gonna have to help me out a little bit. Uh, Y'all make me nervous. I want to close my Bible. And go home. Um, look at Titus 3 and verse 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will, uh, I will that thou affirm uh, constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful. All right, here we go. You ready? To maintain good works. Why? Well, these are good. These things are good, man. And what? And they're profitable unto men. So my doctrine ought to fall out to good works because they're profitable unto men. Okay? Um, let me get this last one. We'll finish right here. We won't, we won't make it through the whole thing. We'll finish next week. Give us the next one. Matthew 7, uh, it tells a story. We, we won't uh, read all the verses uh, for the sake of time. But it tells, Jesus tells a story about two men uh, that build houses. 
And one man builds, one man's a wise man, and one man's a foolish man. And they both built a house, a storm comes, and one house stood in its place and would not be moved. Um, and, and, and the other one, we know what happens to him, he built his house on sand and it was destroyed. Okay, But Jesus, Jesus says that the, the reason that the wise man's house stood versus the man's house that was foolish not standing. He, he makes this statement, Heareth these sayings of mine, uh, excuse me, Heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. So this man, he, the, the wise man, heareth these sayings of mine and he, he doeth them. The foolish man, he heareth these sayings of mine and what? And doeth them not. Okay, what does it mean? The Philippians seen the practical teachings of Paul lived out. They seen them lived out. They seen and heard, they, 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 they seen lessons lived out. They seen sermons lived out. But here it is again. We come back to the same conclusion. Those sermons and those lessons lived out can't give you peace. They only give out peace to the one that's doing them. You'll never gain peace by watching somebody else live out the lessons and live out the sermons. You'll never, you'll never get peace by watching somebody else evangelize. You'll never get peace by, uh, by, 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 being, by watching somebody else be full of faith. Well, how is it going to come? Well, it's only going to come when you do what you hear. When you decide to do what you hear. And that's, that's hard to hear sometimes. It's hard to hear that the only way to get what you're looking for from the Lord is to just to be obedient. Oh, man, I just want to be like everybody else. Don't worry about that. You've been bought with a price. And you're not your own. And I'm not saying I would rarely have it any other way. I'm just saying it don't work like that. I'm grateful that it does work like that because my way's all messed up. My way is just terrible. Maybe tonight. I, I don't know. It should be a should be in your heart. What are some things you're not obeying? What are some things you're just not doing? Man, the key, it may be the key to unlock it all. It may be the key that unlocks a ministry that's full and flourishing in your life, and you're like, man, that's, that, that's what I needed to hear. That's what I need to do. I realize there's many things that would keep us from not doing. There's things that keep us from not doing things we should do. There's a lot of things that we should do. In the worldly setting, in a carnal setting, that we, sh we should do them, right? We should probably stay away from half gallons of ice cream, right? Especially at 2 o'clock in the morning. 
I don't know. <laughs> you think it's funny, but it's a real truth. It's a, it's a real struggle sometimes. Well, we, what? We, there's plenty of stuff you could say that you should do. But what are those things that you're doing, you're not doing, that's robbing you of your peace? Nobody likes to play for a team and sit on the sidelines. Nobody. Not unless you just, you're weird. Weirdos want to sit on the sidelines, I guess. I'm not looking to sit on the sidelines. What does that mean? Well, you got to do the work. Right? It, it don't work any different than that with Jesus. He said you're running a race. You are running a race. And castaways, they're swept off to the side. And I don't want you to be that. I want you to understand tonight, God's called you to obedience. God's called me to obedience. God's called this church as a whole to unify in obedience. To walk in obedience. We'll finish the next two next week, but maybe you just you take some time before we, before we leave tonight. You take some time and maybe a minute or two right where you are and say, Lord, what what is it? What is it in my own life? There's plenty of, plenty of opportunity for you to be obedient. But it's just going to take you saying yes. So maybe take some time. I'm going to do some praying on my own. Maybe you take some time right where you're at and let's, let's just call on the Lord.
Lord, we we want to say thank you. Lord, thank you for thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for being good. God, we got too many good things to derail us, cause us not to be able to to completely see them all the time. Or we, we we got too many good things to be derailed. God, we got too much good going. God, thank you for what you're doing in, in the youth. Or thank you for the girls that you're bringing. Or thank you for using my girls. Thank you for them opening their mouths. And God, I, I pray that we get a desire for lost people. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in Awana. How you're blessing them and you're using them. Thank you for the leaders. Lord, I want to say thank you for growing leaders in this church like you have been on our Monday night. God, they've really stepped up to the plate. And I say thank you for it. God, use this church in the last days. God, we're going to have to be okay with some things. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to realize that there's some things that, that are going to cause us to be different. But God, we can be a remnant in the last days. Lord, we can settle our hearts on going forward as good soldiers of Jesus Christ in the last days. And I pray, God, that we realize obedience is the key to it. Lord, I pray that you bless what was said. Lord, bless what we did in here tonight. Lord, use it for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.